Money will talk for you. Caught your tongue like sugar. Sweet lies to pacify the hunger. Money will kill for you. Lay your head to rest now. Dream of the whitest street, clean, built for you. Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from CP Complete Construction and Renovation, specializing in interior and exterior living spaces. CP Complete focuses on the end result throughout the entire process. Individualized attention sets their boutique construction company apart with a focused, inclusive, innovative, and personalized process from start to finish. CP Complete builds what you have imagined. Learn more at cpcomplete.com or 631-727-5741. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sokolow. Welcome to Sundays on the East End. We have a great guest today who's going to be joining us in a few minutes, Shane Weeks. Very He's a member of Shina- Yeah, Shinnecock Nation. Having a conversation with Shane. Uh, this is being filmed. Uh, why do I always say that? It's being taped. It's just my film background. It's you, not being you might have a photographic anyway. memory, so it's being filmed <laughs> you in your go. head. But anyway, this is being taped during uh, Indigenous Peoples Weekend formerly Columbus Day weekend in Southampton. It's something that just went down, which is pretty cool. But uh, that's not why we're having Shane on. We This was arranged weeks before. And, uh, but it we was are actually gonna... arranged Shane weeks before. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really, <laughs> that was a good it's one. Early. Sock. It's early. I hope it's everybody's had early. their coffee. I hope everybody's waking up and really appreciating the day. Well, so, uh, so, but this brought up a conversation that we, everything with us is a conversation that's already like halfway, yeah. like we're already in the conversation before we go on the air. So we were talking about cultural identities was one of the things since Shane did bring, you know, bring this up in our heads. That, Absolutely. Uh, and, and one of the things that I've always been fascinated with for myself, but also in the kind of Petri dish that is America, is how um, we all carry cultural identities of you know, it's in our DNA. It's it's kind of in the um, the way that we come into our consciousness. It's what we carry in every room we walk into, whether we're conscious of it or not. And for me, um, well, you said there were like these archetypes. And yeah, for me, for me, there are four basic archetypes. I'm sure there are more, but I I can't count to five, so I just <laughs> I stopped at four. You know, one is colonial, which is that some Americans can trace their can heritage trace back their to heritage the Mayflower. And, and that part of their narrative of identity is the colonial narrative. Um, one is immigrant. That's what I identify and with. And that's what I identify you know, with. That, whether I'm second or third generation, depending on which side, uh, I carry with me that I'm the child of immigrant. I'm a child of somebody that came to this country, worked hard so their kids could be educated, so their kids, in my case, could like be an artist, which is kind of a Thomas Jefferson right. thing that he said at one point, um, you know, the, the three generations. I'm a farmer, so my s- child can be a lawyer, so his child can be an artist. Right. Um, you know, one is the enslaved, which, uh, as per nothing, 
I prefer to say the trafficked. I, I think the word slave somehow doesn't fully encompass the the uh, identity that that comes along with when you're when you're and anyone who thinks this you know trafficking is over in this country has a, like a lot oh to learn. or in the world. But but I to me when when you talk about ten to twelve to fourteen million human beings that were trafficked to this country. Uh, that even if you're talking about multiple generations afterwards, that's part of the identity. And that's something right. that even though if I can't, I'll never know what that feels like. I acknowledge that that's part and, of the American. And then the, and then the fourth one is, is the native uh, nations, the original people. people. But, but what's so interesting is the first three, whether they came here by, by want or by force, they are all immigrants. They all came they from They all another came place. here, which, which is part of the, the land grab or the in, in, industry. Well, that, we're going to talk, yeah. And we no, but I'm saying, but, but what's fascinating about that to me is, is that I certainly know for myself, uh, I've worn the, the, the identity as, as a badge, as a thing to be proud well, of. Me too, yeah. That it's, I, I'm, when I go out into the world, when everything I do, good or bad, I'm on that narrative, and it's well, really really, a really quickly describe to me your myth of your grandmother or whatever. What is the oh, yeah. myth so, so, that you've you know, been told? I, I, you or know, the I, anecdote? Four, yeah, no, four grandparents uh, on my mother's side. Uh, both were born in America. Both were born in New York. Um, on my father's side, they were both born in Europe. And uh, my dad's mom, my grandma, uh, she was thrown out of a window at the age of three to survive a pogrom. Was came to America at the age of seven pushed a cart in the Lower East Side, uh, never had formal education, grew into adulthood, went to work at, in a beauty parlor, ended up owning three beauty parlors with her husband, my grandfather, uh, around New York City, and uh, you know lived to be 97 years old. And to this day is still probably like the toughest person I ever got to experience. And when I say tough, I mean the train was moving forward with her. Yeah. You know, the train was always moving forward with her. And so I certainly grew up thinking that's part of my identity. That's part of my responsibility. The idea that, like, you go, right? And my, my dad used to say constantly uh, certain phrases. And one of them is, you know, the camel shits and the caravan moves on. Right. Right. And that you're the caravan, right? You go. So I certainly carry that into my identity as American. And if I were to have to define myself, I would define myself more by that than as American. Okay, so I'm going to tell you really quickly yeah. my two sides because they're very different. One is the Warner Brothers, but they didn't come here as successes. They came on a boat into Baltimore uh, and they set up a cobbler's shop down by the waterfront, which has now been, of course, regentrified and is beautiful, the harbor front in, in Baltimore, but at the time was, was a ghetto, you know? And I think of it as being very Dickensian. There weren't windows. There were people probably, like, dumping slop off of the roofs, and there were very narrow streets. And, and what they did, these, these brothers, is they took every penny they had, and they bought a plate glass window, the Warner Brothers did, which no one else had. Well, they, they, were had been, they were cobblers. They were cobblers. Yeah, they yeah. were shoemakers. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. That's part of the story. Because it wasn't as right. they bought a window. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Walked around with it. No, no, no. They bought a plate glass window and they made the shoes they were in a real the pain window. In the glass. Yes. Oh God. Sorry. I just hate you sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, so they 
they put a plate glass window in front of their cobbler shop and they made the shoes in the window. And people being starved for entertainment, so I guess they were already showmen in a way, wanted their shoes made by these brothers who were making shoes in the window. Right. Um, and that's how they kind of made enough money to get into the Nickelodeon business and eventually move, you know, take the train out to California, which was practically, you know, an unknown place. And and they were in the first sense. I mean, they were not right, the Warner Brothers weren't in the first sense, but the Leroy's, the Levies were in the first sense, sense census of 1850. Right. But but now you're talking about the creation or the or part of the conversation, the creation of mass media and and Hollywood, which then just to kind of fold it back into the cultural identity conversation, have completely distorted it uh, and and, um, um, you know, kind of um, compressed what compressed. Uh, everybody's cultural identity into cliches that work over time. And so when we we start talking about the native people, the original people, so much of what the greater world thinks, they think us in movies and television. And it's completely fraudulent. But anyway, two two more really quick points. my my grandfather Mervyn Leroy, who you know produced The Wizard of Oz and all these other movies, he he changed the name from Levy, and I have done all of this like really deep dive archive. I'm like the family genealogist, and for a while I was really into it. And his family actually came, you know, the Oregon Trail, but actually before it was the Oregon Trail. And, you know, these these trips were not like eight days. They were like two years. And let me tell you something. The Jews were not treated very well on those trips. They were like made As to opposed stay. to everywhere else in the world for the last 4,000 years. <laughs> right, exactly. But like, but there was a book called Jewish Pioneers, and I kind of thought it was a joke book, you like, know. Like a little and I read thin pop-up book? No, no, because like, the, the, you know, the, the, the Europeans kind of like banded together, and the Jews had different, different you know, rules that they abided by so they were kind of like put on the outskirts and one of the levies married a native person on the way so i do have very distant native blood her name was b-a-r-a-k barak and there's no you know back then so you're kenyan (laughs) i'm kenyan very (laughs) funny i see what you did there Uh, uh, but no i'm sorry Uh, no they they think that since it was somewhere in oklahoma that she was choctaw I guess is the is yeah. the person, but that that's like such a tiny tiny little bit. But then my mom's family, Italians, New Jersey. My mom was brought up extremely uh, underprivileged, is the mm-hmm. word now. Um, you know, but but everybody had a, a fig tree in their backyard. Everybody, you know, really the wrong side of the tracks. My mom never had a new piece of clothing. Everything was passed down through many many cousins. And of course, she also became successful. She's a writer and you know became a successful cover model and. But but, oh, right, but, but that's just, so that's that's the that's, that's the, it. I, but but let's talk. Okay. But, all right, but the we're word the word yeah. I know where the word that I focus on is success. What does success even mean? Because if success is is defined by external numbers, if success is defined by status in a community, um, then it's it's not necessarily in turn. It's it's it's. To me, this is a really big concept because we're all conditioned to think that things have to go a certain way for you to feel like you've li- lived a proper life. And why I, I'm going there in this conversation is because I would love to hear from Shane about, you know, when, you, when you're born into an um, original nation culture in a part of the world that has massive, massive amount of external definitions of success right uh both with real estate and lifestyle and all of the stuff that eastern long island and the hamptons kind of 
uh, is known for. How does how how do you reconcile that definition? How do you reconcile your own um, identity? So right. that's the thing that I mean. I, well, I, that's what we were talking about when I. That's why I was telling that story. It's like because we all you know as immigrants, our story is if you work real hard. You can become anything you want. You put your mind to, kind right. of. That's like what we've been what we've been raised as. Right, but uh, but even know. that is is very um, uh, arbitrary, I guess. That's the word I would say. Is like is uh, what, and I don't I don't have. And a it's lot not of, true for everyone, of course. No, but, but I don't have a lot of. And not for immigrants today, certainly. Right, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge or wisdom about what it means to be a Shinnecock, but what I've always thought is it has to be a. a, a a very interesting and sometimes difficult internal journey to navigate when you can be defined by a culture that was here before the Europeans showed up uh, that has uh, been, you know, pushed to the side as much as possible. And like, so if like like, uh, you and I are both come from Eastern European Jewish culture, right? Yeah, and and Italian. And Italian, but but, but in the case of, of the, the Jewish traditions, until Jews were allowed to be citizens of uh, first France and, and Germany, uh, they were so separate. And so they, they, they lived uh, almost very tribally where, where different language, different culture, different clothes, different way to pray, different way to do everything. And only when citizenship was offered, the conversation changes to what are you? Are you Jewish or are you French? Right. You know, and then you have this whole other conversation of assimilation that then changes the, the, the traditions. And I agree. And I think that that's actually I mean, and we're really not going to talk on this because it's only a one hour show. But when I've told people that we were going to be kind of concentrating a, a little yeah. bit on this, they were like, oh, immigrants. But your your family came over legally. I don't know if they came over legally. What was the legal process? And also, that's not the conversation we're having here. You know, we're talking about. But, but who makes the law? <laughs> I'm just saying like that's yeah. you know like that's so even that to me is an arbitrary conversation right anyway but I we're we're balancing around I think that the real thing is is that, that we've asked and Shane has been nice enough to come on the show and uh, you know I would love to hear you know first of all introduction but like I would love to hear Shane's uh, wisdom and knowledge about his own journey and his own identity and what it means today in our Christian calendar 2018 to be a Shinnecock in this world. Well, this is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. You're listening to Sundays on the East End on WPPB, 88.3 FM, Long Island's only NPR station. We're going to be back in a minute with Shane Weeks from the Shinnecock Nation. Welcome back to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And uh, we're here now with our guest, Shane Weeks. 
the Shinnecock cultural ambassador, and uh, we've been talking about cultural identity. So I'm gonna let you guys. Uh, yeah. So Shay, hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Th <laughs> thanks for coming on. Um, so yeah, we're having this conversation, and, and I, again, I don't want to assume that these are thoughts you carry in your head. But um, I, I, if you can, you know, maybe by way of introduction, just just talk about yourself a little bit. Let people who, who don't know who you are or necessarily know uh, the, some of the cultural um, definitions and history of the Shinnecocks uh, know, you know, just give us some wisdom, please. Hello, good morning. Uh, my name is Standing Buffalo. I am of the Buffalo Clan. I am an Anishinaabe man from Shinnecott. And, um, but you guys can call me Shane. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that was cool. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know what? Let's just start right there because you start with language, right? right. And I, I know that, you know, when I've read and, and you hear that, that when, when language goes away, culture goes mm, away. Right. So where is, where is the language with, with Shinnecocks right now? Is it growing? Yeah. Is it disappearing? Yeah, right what? now it's, it's very much growing. Um, our language was almost completely forgotten and due to the colonization process. And um, right now it's being taught in our early preschool, you know, on the reservation. Very cool. And um, the way that happened, ironically, was when the first colonists tried to convert Native Americans here in New England, the first Bible uh, by John Eliot was translated into Algonquin, one of the Algonquin dialects, um, by a guy named Kokono, De Long Island, he's known as, from Long Island, and the language he used was Shinnecock. So our our complete you mean language. Just by chance, like that no, was the language just, he chose. Mm, yeah, I guess it was by chance. You know, it was or really <laughs> really Kokono was part of the Pequot Wars and was captured and ended up being kind of one of the a slave and ended up with John Eliot. Um, so what happened was. Um, the entire Bible was translated into our language, so today now there is a complete dictionary of our words. You know, so we're so, so that actually becomes a, a way to keep the language yeah, exactly, alive. Exactly, that's amazing. Yeah. It's being taught. Taught. Yeah. I mean, you speak it beautifully, yeah, I, 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 but this is the first time I've ever heard it, so I don't yeah. know. It could be yeah. horrible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds beautiful to <laughs> Thank me. You. Um, uh, is it a language that's being spoken in the home, or is it? Uh, um, partially, it's it's really just now coming coming back. Um, mm -hmm. In the last mm, decade or so, there are no completely fluent speakers, but there are some elders that speak it very well through research. Um, there are some words that have always been around in our community that have been passed down, and um, but for the most part, it was just not spoken of. Right, for, right. For and, a while. and again, you know, words or abstractions, but they bring up emotions and definitions right. and stuff. And exactly. so to learn the language or to speak the language, to see the world through the eyes of the culture. Exactly. You know, so and, and even like you, you look at some of the words in, in Southampton, you know, that are Shinnecock words like Ponquag, for instance, right. is it means a fording place or the shallows, you know, so Ponquag Bridge, right. The Ponquag Bridge, that that point right there on the north side um, was a fording place or where we would bring whales. You know? Right. To, to render the oil. And, and um, let's, you know, again, just your personal journey. So you grow up as a kid out here. Yeah. You grow up on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And you go to Southampton High School, yep. which is not on the reservation. Right. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like for you in, in your own identity mm -hmm. to have to kind of keep a foot in both worlds? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it was very, um, the contrast is, is very much there, you know, and uh, growing up, maybe it was my parents bringing me up in, in a certain way, but I kind of did not realize a difference until I got older, you know, and the difference, what? the difference between cultures and the difference between, um, you know, people and, and different communities like that. You know, I had friends from all over, you know, I had Jewish friends, I had African-American friends, I had Danish friends, German friends, you know, right. all, all sorts of friends. And uh, But at some point you actually embraced your own culture because right. you're so active. Well, I mean, with all the, the whales, I mean, yes, this week, yes. uh, washing up on the beach and you're give, giving blessings and... I mean, there's some point where it really clicked yeah. for you that well, you wanted to spread the word. And, well, I guess I guess um, what I really mean to say is I didn't see a difference between people, right? Right, right, right. right. You know, everybody had their way of life, and, you know, that's how it should be. You know? Right. And because for me, I, I started dancing when I was, like, one years old. You know, my dad my dad was a dancer, a traditional dancer. and uh, So let's talk about he, that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So the traditional dance. Yeah, um, he, he had me... He had me on the stage of, of our powwow at, at when I was a newborn, pretty wow. much. You know? <laughs> so That's awesome. Doing that for that long, you know. And my dad had me hunting and fishing at seven years old. You know, he was a traditional hunter. And, and Are there people on, on the reservation who don't embrace their traditions, or does everybody pretty much? Um, I mean, or do you think that you lucked out being born into a family that, I mean, yeah, you clearly lucked there, out. There are a lot of contrasts on our reservation as well. And that really comes from the colonization process. You know, um, there was a point in time where it wasn't even legal for us to practice our culture. You that's know, crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. legal for us I mean, to, pr- a shame. to speak it's our crazy. language. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and but by the way, so again, like, so Bridget and I yeah. have this Jewish immigrant right. identity. Um, one of the things going the way back, way back, is in, in when you practice the Jewish religion there's the torah which gets read and there's the hop torah right. that gets sung and the reason why the hop torah gets sung is because there was a moment when it was illegal to read the torah mm. and the people back then got around it by singing mm, exactly yeah yeah well for instance um we have a festival of what's called the uh, june meeting festival okay right and june meeting um during the time in southampton it was called the great awakening and the great awakening was when uh, the colonists kind of forced us into Christianity. And one of my great, 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 10 generations back grandfathers um, was one of the first Shinnecock reverends of that time. And that was when the traditional names in our language were kind of, you know, Being, gone. Yeah, yeah again, like it's the stripping the, away right, of history. Right. And right. he was given the name um, Peter John Cuffing. And, um, he kind of hid our traditional teachings in the church. You know, they would act mm-hmm. like they were That's being amazing. Christian. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. so this idea, this idea of, of June meeting is yeah. actually a traditional teaching that's, yeah. you know, thousands of years old, but it was portrayed as if it was coming from the church. But yeah. that's, you know? but I mean, and, and, and really not to get down because we're not talking about all Christianity or all Christians here, right. but I mean, isn't it the same thing with, with Christmas and the Christmas tree mm-hmm. was, it was an ancient. Well, like, you can go back to Constantine in the, around the year 400 where he, he went, he took the Roman empire from paganism to Christianity. Right. But, he, but, but they kept but, the dates. But not only that, but like St. Peter's is literally built on the temple the b- biggest t- pagan temple. Right. So they just kind of continued it and Right, like, oh, yeah, needed. just come here. We just changed the outside, and then they get you in, and they lock the doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, now you're going to learn yeah. this dogma, you know? And All right, and so in your own awakening, in your uh, not that it's an awakening, but in your own, uh, like, uh, journey, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as you 
see more and learn more, uh, how does it change your sense of being in this world? Mm -hmm. Well, what I what I realize is that um, even for my own people and just people abroad everywhere, you know, are, are as you said earlier, they are taught a false history, right? right? So it's 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 not really the truth isn't there, you know, for people to understand. So it's not necessarily anybody's fault that hears it and learns it as it is taught. You right. know. So what I have to realize is that what I'm doing is, you know, spreading the truth, you know, spreading awareness when I do what I do, you know, right. in terms of bringing awareness to my community and my people. It's it, it has to be understood that everything that's in history books is a lie. And the reason I know that is because I didn't learn about Shinnecock in history books. You know, I didn't learn right. about hi my history in, in school. I right. had to go out and find my history. Well, I, and I, I, I might pull back the word lie and just say it's a very specific perspective of the people who wrote the history. Yeah. It's I an guess omission. Be, yeah. I'm being a little polite. I'm saying, you know, Winston Churchill had that line that, you know, history is going to treat me kindly because I intend to write it. Yeah. And that's, you know, so. I love that you always quote people. I was listening to our <laughs> show from last week and yeah. you did like four, like you are the Basically, quote I master. have no original thought. No, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that next, but anyway. Yeah. No. All right. So, and, and, and maybe this pops us over to the powwow because again, as, mm. as a Caucasian, as, as a, uh, as a non-Shinnecockian, when I hear the powwow, I think it becomes, um, uh, cliched from the outside. Right. What is it? Oh, I got, you know, I went, I got a, I got a t-shirt, right, right. I got a this and that, right. and now I know what it means to be a Shinnecock. Right, 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 right. right, right. And, and how do you kind of dance that? Because you want to bring people in and educate yeah. them and give them wisdom, but you also don't want them necessarily, you want them to come back, basically. Right, you right, know? right, exactly, yeah. Well, our powwow, um, for the most part, first of all, powwow comes from our word, Paul Wall, which means the leader of ceremonies in our wow, language. That's cool. So that's something. Wait, I mean, it actually, it's a Shinnecock it's a word? It's a Shinnecock word, yeah. Wow. And, yeah. Um, a powwow. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, but how the powwow started was it started off as what was called a pageant, where we would kind of, it was much smaller and kind of express our, our, our way of life, right? Okay. And what it grew into um, were where tribes from all over the country, all over North America and even South America would come and we would be able to see each other. We'd see our families and friends. And, and that's where the dance competitions come from, where, like, where it's money involved. And uh, so that's it so turned cool. into a way for us to be able to visit each other. Right. And, 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 uh, and, and, and as per nothing, uh, so, and money, right? It was, it was, right? Money was the shells? Um, well, for us... There was actually no monetary value in a lot of things. Okay. You know, the shells were was adopted, especially here in Southampton, as the monetary value. For us, it could represent treaty or who you are, depending on what kind of strand you're holding of, of wampum wampum beads. Right. And um, because he's he's getting to a very specific question. Yeah, Go no, ahead. No, no, the, Go, I the know question, question I know is. I've <laughs> always wondered about this because it seems like you know you think about money is is. The, the need to be able to carry something you can carry along great distances that everybody right. values the same way right. and uh, and trust the same way. Right. And shells seem like you can just go to a beach and get shells. Yeah, like yeah. But what it was was, especially here in Southampton, um, me being a wampum maker, I've been making wampum since I was 16. Cool. Um, so uh, the strands were adopted in Southampton. You have purple, which is very rare, um, of the quahog shell. And you make eight millimeter by four millimeter beads 
And that's why it was, it's very hard to make a bead out of, out of a right. clamshell. It's like cutting glass, you know? Right. So, and then you have white strands. And the white strands were worth four pence. And the um, purple strands were worth eight pence. So that's how it had a monetary value here in Southampton. Um, that's, so, that's amazing. It's so cool. We're just yeah. like freaking yeah, out. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. But you know what's really interesting? Because I've always had just a, a problem with money. And it doesn't mean I don't want any. But when you think about paper money, I mean, originally, paper money in this country, it was legal tender. Yeah. In other words, you could go with your $20 bill and go to a bank and trade it in for either silver or gold. It was silver tender, I well, think. But now money means nothing. It's it's like, and now we're getting into Bitcoin, which is cyber money. I right, mean, it's, just, I, it's I want, mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. That brings me to a whole other point and kind of your, one of your first questions. Um, you know, for us, we lived off the land traditionally, you know. And even my father lived off the land and provided for his family as he was growing up. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening, you know, our, our our houses, our traditional houses were built out of the trees in our lands. Right. 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 Our, our food came from the waters and the trees of our lands. Right. But when those lands are no longer there and those resources are no longer obtainable, we have to find another means to be able to provide for ourselves. Right. Right. So what that means is that we have to kind of adapt to the society that's around us right right because we can no longer go down the road and cut trees to build our own houses we have to get money to go buy lumber for of trees that come from somewhere else right right so that 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 had a a huge shifting point in the way shinnecock society is today absolutely community absolutely Uh, you're 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 coerced whether you want to or not one is coerced to having to play that game right exactly you know and what ended up happening like um my grandmother's generation and the generation before hers um ended up having to move to brooklyn a lot of people from shinnecock ended up having to move to brooklyn to f- for work right you know because yeah. there was no work here for or resources here to survive so they had to find work right you know so that yeah, but, but that really also goes to and, and you know the idea of industry uh, and, and the incentives of industry, I think, really is one of the underpinnings of the American civilization. Right. Uh, and what do you mean by when you say American civilization? I mean, I, well, I mean the European influx. I okay. mean, you know, Massachusetts was a Just keeping corporation. you on point no, there. Keeping on point. No, no, but Massachusetts <laughs> was a corporation. And again, we talked about human trafficking before, but you know, between uh, eighteen, I think seventy-five and eighteen eighty-five, thirty-five million bison were were eradicated from the Northwest because they wanted to bring cattle in there because that's industry and it's yeah. food and it's the growth and it's so. America, for me, the the America that we we all are living in, is defined by this this industry in the same way that the internet. You talk about Bitcoin, that's industry. Industry has changed our lives. Uh, for better or worse, a lot. There's a lot of great about it. But again, when you're talking about cultural identity, the very way of life is taken away. Right. right. And then what do you do? Right. Exactly. You, you know? know. And for us, like industry started here in the 1600s, right? You know, when the first settlers came over, um, and the population started growing in Connecticut and Massachusetts, and then that's Long my Island, husband's people. You know that it the was colonials. There yeah. were, a lot of the trees were cut down. All over. There was a point in time where almost all of Long Island's trees were cut down. Wow. Like, there are no trees that are, or very few trees that are over 100 years old on Long Island. Wow. But it's the same thing yeah. in New Hampshire. Because yeah, we yeah. there, all, they cut down the, all that all old lumber. All of, like, the northeast here. They, yeah. were, they were pretty much all cut down. And the second industry was whaling, right? And because my people, you know, Shinnecock people and people, in, uh, indigenous people of the northeast here were whalers on the coastline, 
um, we were on board a lot of almost every whaling ship that came out of New England. Right, but, but, but whaling, when I hear whaling, I think that there's a tradition of whale hunting right. that sustains people, right. and then there's the need the for then there, but then there's the need for the in industrial lubricant of oil right, right. that right. then sustains industry. Right, yeah. I mean, but then it becomes yeah. greed. Right. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying. You're, you're talking about it being circular, but, but you know, there's this very, I mean, I think, of course, it's, it's swung so, so far the other way now. There's a very, very positive view of indigenous peoples, at least among, you yeah. know, us, you know, yeah, which well, is no, no, well, would, but, no, which but is we're living in an age of identity. But wait a minute. What I mean is that they left a soft footprint. They only took what they needed mm -hmm. from the earth and they gave back. And so I think that a lot of people are, you know, uh, of the colonialists and the immigrants mm -hmm. and people who were trafficked are trying to now imitate what the indigenous people mm -hmm. did. Right. So it's it's become somewhat. I mean, it's. I I, I don't know where I was going with no, that. No, no, but wait, 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 I'm going to change the topic yeah, just okay. a little bit. What's the most joyful aspect of being a Shinnecock for you? Being Shinnecock. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, but, 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 you know, yeah, the joy yeah. that you feel. Yeah, I guess the joy that I feel is that despite all of the hardships that, um, that my ancestors went through, that I'm still here today to, to speak for them. Right. And, and one of the, the greatest things about being a Shinnecock today is that there are so many people that are not indigenous people or, or um, not Shinnecock people that are there to listen. You know, that there's such an audience and people that are willing to understand what we have to say as Shinnecock people. I, I think that's awesome. Which is you wisdom. Know. Exactly. It's, you know, right. it's, it's awesome. Well, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk to Shane Moore. Just talk to you as an individual. What are you doing? Because you, you, you're very interesting. You're an artist. You're a resident <laughs> artist at Watermill Center and Sylvester Manor in on Shelter Island. So we're going to talk a, a little bit more. We're going to take a break. This is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. <laughs> you're listening to Sundays on the East End. Awesome. So you're back here with Bridget Leroy. And I'm still Alex Sokolow. Yeah, you are. Thank God for that. And, and uh, we're uh, this is Sundays on the East End. You're listening to us on Long Island's only NPR station, WPPB 88.3 FM. And we're here with Shane Weeks, who's cultural ambassador for Shinnecock Nation. And we've been having this, this wonderful conversation. And, of course, we have a wonderful conversation when we're not on the air as well. So... Uh, Sock, you had something you wanted to bring up. Well, I, you know, again, this, this is my own uh, uh, interest. Uh, you know, America uh, is so proud of our 
three branches of government, which until the last couple of years. I'm not so proud of the three branches no, no, of government right now. No, but until the right last now. couple of years, it seemed like there were checks and balances. Um, but we're so proud of this, this democracy right. that we hold dear that uh, our, our quote-unquote founding fathers somehow came and invented. And one of the things that when I read this years ago, it, it changed my perspective. Uh, is that at the uh, Albany Conference in 1754, uh, when all of the uh, governors and whoever else from all the colonies were coming together to try and figure out how to govern and how to live right, together, how to base, their how to base their their, our democracy at the time, um, Franklin brought uh, some uh, you know, original people, the chiefs the, uh, for the Iroquois uh, nation, for them to describe their system of governance, which was a system of checks and balances, three branches, uh, which uh, allowed the five nations to live for thousands of years in some form of I, peace and, and prosperity. I just want to make a point here. He's not looking at a phone or Googling anything. This is just like Alec being Alec, okay? He just knows this stuff. It's fascinating to me. So again, yeah. like when you talk about identity, I think one of the things I would I would want to shout from the top of, the, of every building is, this didn't just happen, like the world we're living in now. Right. You know, it came from so many different collisions of culture <laughs> and wisdom. Using that word collision again, which yeah, we used but off that's, the air. And, and that to me is fascinating. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of the talking here, so forgive me, <laughs> but like it's, that's, no, but that's, that's fascinating. So part of what I think about is w what wisdom are, are we missing, mm. you know? Well, I think I think a lot of what's missing is the connection to the earth, you know, and and as I was saying before, the connection directly of the lands that you're living on and the people that are living on it. Right. And how how do you understand that connection? You know, and, you know, you have to understand that if you're not getting your food and your resources, water, foods, clothing from the lands that you're living on, you're most likely ravaging somebody else's land. You know, that it's it's coming it has to come from somewhere, right? right. So it's it's probably coming from, let's say, Canada, for instance. And if it's coming from Canada, those people, those people that are living on the land that it's coming from are probably not benefiting from those resources being taken. From okay, the, so so are. then, and how can the Shinnecock Nation benefit more from where they are at this moment? Um, well, right now, um, because there are very little resources left, um, right now the best thing for us to do is is continue to to say that we're here, right? Right, and that like say for instance the waters are something that's really important to us. It's really important for, for our sustainability. there's huge problems right, right now, like Lake right. Ag Agawam has yeah. these oh, huge algal blooms. Not just Lake Agawam. I wouldn't eat anything out of any of the fresh water in Southampton at all, wow. or Long Island, period. Yeah. You know, none of the fresh water is, is, is good. Potable or, or right. usable, exactly. and it's yeah. all due to runoff right, and, exactly. and yeah. you know, all And same, same with um, with the, a lot of the saltwater creeks and bays, a lot of those areas that are highly developed now have a high concentration of nitrogen where the shellfish in those areas aren't edible anymore either. So, you know, shellfish is a huge part and, of our But our I, I've long thought and heard that oysters uh, clean the water. Yeah, and they do. All shellfish clean the water. Well, not, I won't say all, but most of the shellfish we have here clean the waters. Right. But it's only doing so much when you're putting so much pollutants into the water. You wow. know, it, it might 
it might help stop it from growing as fast, but it doesn't really reduce it either. Right. You know, you no, have to have. I, I want to go totally. I know. Let's go back to the writing stuff. Yeah, I want to get back yeah. to the writing stuff because you have a project that you're working mm, on, yeah. and and we were talking about it before we went on the air. Can you can you tell us about it yeah, again? Well, um, right now I'm um, working with a few friends on a project uh, about the Sakajan. And when you say and a project, is it a film? Is it a, um, a it's, it's, story? I, it's a, it's all of a lot of different aspects to it. You know. Right. Um, uh, and out of it came this story poem um, about the Sakajan, uh, which was a shipwreck that that um, wrecked off of Ocean Road in Bridgehampton. Yeah. And um, what happened was uh, the ship ended up in the in a winter storm in December, and ten Shinnecock men, amongst other settlers, um, were on board, and ten Shinnecock men lost their lives in the shipwreck and they were brought um, brought on board by the captain, by the captain to help yeah, out to help out ostensibly and, like um, oh yeah hey yeah. Come, come and help us guys yeah, and then they weren't allowed to leave they weren't allowed to leave um as the story goes they were held by gunpoint the lifeline was cut and they all tied themselves to the mast so they wouldn't get get thrown overboard by the the waves and the waters were too rough for the life-saving station to go out there and they all ended up dying on on that ship and what ended against up their will against their will and what ended up happening was the media of the time um, kind of portrayed this as the end of the Shinnecocks. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, the, the Shinnecock people are gone. There, there are no more. And, and why it, was that? Um, well, I th- what ended up happening was it became a land grab. Okay. You know, right, and that that's, that's kind of what, what the entire um, Native American historic portrayal is about, you know, is about... Mm. We have to make them extinct so we can have their land. Right. You but know? this was uh, this was a falsehood because right, the Shinnecock exactly, weren't extinct. Exactly. But you also have this other really cruel historical aspect, which is, you know, uh, 1492 is when Columbus's ships showed up. And between 1492 and 1600, uh, because of disease that the Europeans brought, so many people disappeared that when the Europeans actually showed up in the early 1600s, uh, I, I, uh, there was a book called 1491, which is what the Americas looked like before the Europeans Guess what? Showed I've up. actually read that book. Yeah, so, it's, but, but it talked about how imagine New York City filled with, you know, eight or ten million people, and then imagine you can't even fill Yankee Stadium, and that's when the Europeans showed up. Right. So when you talk right. about the cultural appropriation or you talk about the, the, what, what this place really right. is, right. that happened right. before even... Right, exactly, before <laughs> there were even people, right. other outsiders here, you yeah. know, that's the thing, yeah, yeah, of course. And that wasn't even yeah. necessarily intentional, it was just that, yeah. you know, well, that's, that's uh, diseases were brought that, that, that the for any number, people for any didn't have immunity reasons, against. I'm just saying, like, yeah. history yeah, no, is very cruel in certain ways, and that's definitely one of the ways, right. when we were talking yeah. about, like, your project, you're talking about the things you want to highlight in your daily right. life, and the culture you want to... Um, uh, spread right. to let people know to keep the conversation going and you're already starting uh, not you personally but you're starting so far behind right. in the sheer cruelness of that concept right and and then to to, to kind of go back to what you were saying before you know about the buffalo right at the time when they were when there were because let's be clear the buffalo clan not, not all yeah <laughs> not all settlers were this way Right. right. That's that's the thing that people also have to understand is that it wasn't just everybody thinking. Oh, that's this what way I like to think us. about. My yeah. my, right. you know, you know he married but, a, a native woman. But yeah. what a saying about killing the buffalo 
was for every dead buffalo is a dead Indian. Wow. You know, because the Native Americans out there where the buffalo really were concentrated survived off the buffalo. So without the buffalo, there were no Indians in that sense. Right. You know, so that was a whole concept of how do we eradicate, right? Because the way I saw it was here first. Cut off their food supply. Right, cut off the food supply. Right. And and from the, and again, uh, from the other perspective, it's we have all these people on the East Coast that need to eat. We have a train system that's just been created. Right. 1859, uh, the Golden Rail. Right, <laughs> and, and now here's this animal that can be used in that industry. Right. Oh, but there's this other creature here that just doesn't fit that same conversation. Right. right. So Which is we, ridiculous because they're delicious. Yeah, right. I mean, why, why would you get rid of that kind of cow and get another kind of cow I'm in there? I'm just but saying it's, just, it's part of the thing. But when you right. think about that, uh, that... You know, the, the, we were talking about Hollywood before yeah. a little bit. And the, among the, the lore, the, the myths that are created is the, the cowboy and the, and the, Ugh, and the, yeah. the idea right. of the cattle uh, coming this and that. And that, that happened for about seven years. But really, it was like, let's get this food source on a train to Chicago, to New York, mm-hmm. to feed everybody, going back to right. sustainability. Right. But to do it, we have to kind of get rid of this other food source. Right. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it, it was at the expense of the native people of that area. Yeah. Right? And another another way also was I don't know if you're familiar with the residential schools, um, the residential schools. Um, oh, oh, gosh, uh, this is horrible. This yeah, is what this is yeah. what Justin Trudeau is apologizing for with tears in his eyes because right. they did it. I, I, we were talking about this the other day oh, where right. they would take indigenous people uh, the kids and put yeah. them in school, yeah. send yeah. them away to school, yeah. and basically eradicate, like brainwash them, so yeah, they yeah. would forget their own native yeah. language. They 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 whitened them, they bleached yeah, right. them, yeah. whatever you want to say, yeah. and and that was a way of killing, going back to language right. and cultural. You know, they right. they had no cultural identity anymore, yeah. and they did this with hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And in New Mexico, I know yeah. I know someone whose grandmother went through yeah. it in New Mexico. I'm sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. We're yeah. just getting a few words in edgewise, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's just a horrible, horrible thing, and it was. A way again of just completely you know bleaching yeah. um and he, the here natives. on long island here in it well it was in east hampton was called freetown that was the residential school here on the east end and uh, shinnecock people went to that one and the carlisle school up in massachusetts was another one where shinnecock people went to and what would and happen at that school at th- and what would happen w- was that uh the the kind of concept of the people who came up with this was uh to save the man you must kill the indian Meaning, you must kill the Indian way of life in right. the person to save the humanity of of culture. Right. 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 So, so um, what they would do is cut their hair, make them speak English, dress them in English clothing, and uh, force them into Christianity. You know, and it was it it became such a, a trauma traumatized. You know. No, community. I mean we're kind of seeing it now playing out in front of our eyes with all of these kids that are now being yeah. warehoused somehow government our government group think right. destroys the individual yeah. and it didn't uh, you know you're mentioning up in canada that didn't end until the 90s right you wow know? that was very that's very recent. i mean that's you know? really yeah. 20 years ago okay so now a completely separate conversation <laughs> yeah. if you could have one superpower what would it be <laughs> oh this is really interesting <laughs> i actually know mine but okay uh, what, what uh, would yeah, you yeah, like your superpower give him a minute you're to putting think, me on the spot here well, i'm <laughs> asking i'm asking no but I'm you, you take a minute to think yeah, well yeah. because i bet you know yours and i know mine and then we'll come to you what's what alec what would be my superpower would be i would like everybody to see the world through my eyes mm. why what would they see 
really cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? And and my superpower always, always has been that I want to speak every language on earth because I want to understand everybody. Mm. And if someone is in a position where they can't speak the language and they're uncomfortable, I want to be the one to be able to help them. Nice. That's always been since I was a little kid that I wanted to be able to speak every language on earth and I can barely speak English. Okay. So there That's you go. Cool. So now you've, we've given you time, Shane. What would yeah, be your superpower? I guess... I guess if everybody could have an open heart, right? That's beautiful. That's not that a superpower. No, <laughs> no, that, no, 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 everybody no, 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 that is, and I, and I, but here's why I, mean, I actually pose well, that question. The ability to open everybody's because, heart. Because what I think is actually what we're all talking about is wanting to connect and protect. And that's what you're, and so you're the living embodiment of that. Mm. You're opening up people's hearts. Yeah, you, you're doing in, it. You are in the your daily life. And so Thank you God. are a superhero. Thank you. you are, because I mean, and, <laughs> yeah, because you go out, I mean, you, it's, we're talking about, you know, what you've been doing in your own native, you know, culture, but you also go out, I mean, you are the cultural ambassador, and I've seen mm. you in full. Makeup regalia. and headdress regalia. Yes, yes. Okay, let's call it regalia. <laughs> yes. I, call, I, I call it doing your hair and your makeup, but whatever. And uh, and but you go out in like this the Sylvester Manor and and but you go everywhere and yeah. you, you teach about this. Yeah. What what is it like? Right, is but that's opening hearts. It You're is opening, opening hearts. hearts. Yeah. And is it, is it is it a lot of fun when you are doing when you're doing native dance or native uh, you know song in front of little kids and they're seeing it for the first time? It is, and and I think. Um, you know, in today's society, it being so open, you know, and and accepting of it, you know, because, uh, I, you know, I've been all over the country to I've been to Colombia to to spread awareness to Canada and um, to many people that come here from all over the world. And it's it's really great to see so many people interested in acknowledging my people. That's amazing. Know? It really is. And um, for me, you know, just to know the fact that less than 100 years ago what i do was illegal in the united states and to be able to do it now it's just it it really like fills my heart you know, okay so then so then that <laughs> leads me that. to think like what what's your uh you know basic feeling about where we're headed that's what i was going to yeah, ask yeah, you yeah, yeah i mean i think where we're headed is is that because i see hope Cool. Just oh, to make good. it short, you know, yeah. I see Phew. I see a lot of hope, <laughs> you know, and just to see how many people are are willing to to open their minds and and understand it, it's it's really, you know, it's not something that the generations before really saw, you know, in 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 their lifetime that they expressed to me anyway, you know, and it's it's something that uh, that I have real real high hopes for the future. That's know? amazing, and and if I I'm sorry, Bridger, but. Uh, and if you could uh, perhaps offer one suggestion to people that you want to uh, bring into that conversation yeah. that might not know this conversation or, or might be curious, what, yeah. what would that be with regard to the Shinnecox? Or might be frightened or, or mm -hmm. intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, um, I think that it's important to understand that we're still here and that we have a story to tell. You know, so that if, if you know your local indigenous people, indigenous community, reach out to them, you know. And, and if you're going to do, say you're in a school and you're going to do a segment on Native American history, invite somebody from your local Native American community to come and talk about themselves, you know. Because that's something that wasn't so much done 100 years ago, you know. A lot of our history is like third person, right? It's, right. it's written right. by somebody talking about what they think they saw, you know. Right. And so, so. really, it's, let's break down these like false barriers right 
have a conversation and right. continue that wonderful collision yeah. that allows people to have wisdom, mm -hmm. compassion, and realize that and knowledge. When, well, when though you said wisdom. No, but 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 <laughs> and realize that when when we find the connective tissue of our identities, we're all better. Right. Right. I mean, you know, it's 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 uh just just the understanding that that uh we're still here you know, it can really open up somebody's mind, you know, and somebody's, somebody's heart, you know. That's awesome. To, to understand us even better. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit about your involvement in arts. Mm. Arts, because I know that you're on the Southampton um, yeah. well, Arts Committee, cultural yeah. uh, Arts and Cultural Committee, newly formed. Yeah. Um, what do you, because uh, uh, we've talked about language and we've talked about culture and we've talked about dance and we've talked about song let's talk about actual art right. you know uh, visual arts right i um i think arts the arts is a great way to spread awareness um i've seen it firsthand and you personally over. are an artist yes yeah i've um been a part of i've been a part of about six watermill center residencies um in different ways from i'm a traditional singer um, so singing for different residencies. Um, I'm a traditional dancer, so I've done dance performances at the Watermill Center. Um, I also was a part of a residency where we went into Shinnecock. Um, me and a group of Polish uh, film directors uh, went into Shinnecock and interviewed like 45, 46 Shinnecock people. What from happened elders. to that? Uh, we're still developing a documentary film. Oh, how wonderful. And so, yeah, that, that's really exciting. That would be great if you can get it into the film festival yeah, as right, well. Right. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you could because I know that you were at the film festival. And yeah. that was one, you know, one last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was that um, you know, Hollywood has kind of like done a complete backflip on its on its version mm. of the Native American. Right. You know, Tatanka. Um, right. Yeah, right. Well, that was kind of in the middle. That one was kind of like almost like humanizing. You know, rather than like the scalp. I mean, the horrible yeah. like what it was like right. in the forties in black know. and white movies that probably my grandfather. But but, but, but you know what? Like so so again, yeah. am among the horrible horrible myths that Hollywood perpetrates is that Native Americans Indians would scalp their captors well that's a scottish mm. tradition mm. that the i don't trust colonialists, the, the <laughs> colonialists brought over and then assigned to the native peoples and now we assume that that's the savagery right. well come on and and you know a lot of what's in hollywood also kind of depicts native americans in the west Right. I don't know right. many movies other than, say, Pocahontas. Where right, right. It's about, Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, right. Or Last, Last of the Mohicans, Mohicans where yeah. it depicts Native Americans in the East. Yeah. That's true. Know? And and so a lot of people have this concept of Native Americans are one people. Right. 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 We were right. all the same. Right. Right. All, all in, in. And they don't. A lot of people don't realize that. Right. Even right today, there are over 550 tribes right. recognized by the federal government and even more that a state recognized and even more in Canada. It's really yeah. funny. I mean, the only thing I can really relate that to, and it happens a lot, is that I, I'm a practicing Buddhist. Mm -hmm. So I say I practice Buddhism and people go, oh, but you're eating meat. Or, mm -hmm. oh, well, where are your robes? Why mm -hmm. aren't you bald? Right? There's like a mm -hmm. lot. Of, that's like someone saying, well, you know, I'm Christian and saying, oh, I'll say a novena for you. Like, right. not every Christian is Catholic, right. Right. but it's a form I'm, of I'm a non-practicing atheist. Right. <laughs> a non-practicing atheist. <laughs> 
uh, gosh, but speaking, you know, but speaking about our cultural identity, our own cultural identity, Alec has agreed, just, just this doesn't have anything to do with you, Shane, but Alec has agreed to actually bat mitzvah me next year. Yeah, for we're my actually going to start uh, this week. We're going to start, pra- yeah, because this is something I've never had done, and oh. uh, it's not about a religion; it's about embracing my own cultural. But that identity. goes to back. I mean, it's a different conversation. When, when you come back on, I would love to have this part of the conversation because it's about the rites of passage to adulthood that all cultures have, yeah. and exactly. that is also part of that identity. Well, that's for another day because I think we're just about out yeah. of time. But uh, it's been really wonderful having you, Shane. I hope that you've... uh, Is there anything you want to... Any point that you didn't get a chance to make that you want to make? Not necessarily. You know, I guess the biggest point is that that we're still here and we have something to say. Yeah. That's that's something. And and that uh, hopefully there are people who want to hear it. I think so. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Shane Weeks, Shinnecock Cultural Ambassador, thank you so much for coming on our show. This is uh, Alex Soclo. And Bridget (laughs) Leroy. And you've been listening to Sundays on the East End. Stay tuned. Come back next week. Stay well, be well. Funding for Sundays on the East End is provided in part by CP Complete Construction and Renovation, with additional support from The Independent and from Just Beyond Infinity Googleplex. It's beautiful.